I'm, I'm so, so excited, amen, um, to be here with you this morning. I believe that the Lord has given me a word um, to begin this meeting, and I believe that we're preaching to home folks here. Um, I know that me and my wife and Pastor Mike, dear friend of mine, I'm so honored to be able to be here and just be with you this day and support you. He's become a great friend to me, glad that my wife is here. And I just love Pastor Lee so much and Sister Carla. They've been great friends to us. He has helped me when nobody else wanted anything to do with me. Amen. And um, I I give, you know, honor to him. Can we just honor your pastors today too? I'm sure you could say the same too. You wouldn't be where you are without them. Anybody in here? And so I I can attest to that even being five hours away. I would not be where I am today. Our church would not be where it is today without the gift of Pastor Lee and Sister Carla and this church. You've been a great blessing to us, and I'm just very, very thankful to be here today. Um, I'm excited for Encourage Week. I'm excited to hear what all that God is going to do. I'm thankful that new voices will be here and speak into our lives, and we'll just be able to hear what God is doing around the world. Amen. And um, I just believe that today that God has something great that he desires to do within this church. Amen. Um, I titled my message today, The Fight for Fullness, The Release of the Benjamin Seed. The Fight for Fullness. And we're going to be looking in the book of Genesis chapter 42. And I've got a lot of scripture to read today because I just want to dive into the word of the Lord And I believe God is going to release a word over this house. I believe that with every fiber of my being. There's times that you know that God has just given you a word and you preach. But then you know that there's going to be something released. That is going to be seed in the ground. Not just for one service but in the days to come. I believe today is going to impact your life in this house for days to come. And I will even go as far as to say for generations to come. And you will begin to see the impact of that today and it will begin to be planted and you will even begin to see, I believe, a quick turnaround because what does the Bible say? You will plant and you will reap. You will plant and you will reap. And I believe that this week at Encourage Conference, you're going to begin to see the fruit of what God is going to do today. I don't say that arrogantly like I have something just that I'm somebody, but God's word does not miss. God's word is faithful, is powerful, is true. Amen. And I believe that God sends us at times with with something to release into the body of Christ. And so there's a fight for fullness in the world that we live in. And I, I just began to think about this and I thought about, you ever felt gypped when you go to a grocery store? You ever felt gypped? I mean, look at this. You know, they say that you can't just eat one of these. Well, they set you up. This says party size. I used to be a partier. And I didn't go to a party for something half full. (laughs) I wanted all of it. You know what I'm saying? Check this out. How much is in there? That's a big old bag and it costs a lot of money. How much is in there, Brother Mike? About that much. And we keep buying it. Have you complained delays yet? Anybody complain delays? We, I think we need to stand up against them and go on strike or something. Because that's not full. 
but you pay for a full bag of chips. But in order to get a full bag of chips, you probably have to buy about three of these. Right? Let's just open it up and see. Is that half full? Less. That's less, isn't it? You going to eat them while I preach? Okay. You can't eat just one, Pastor Lee. Shedrick ate a chicken. Let's see. Sister Carla, I promise I'll give this back. I got that from the house this morning. It don't have mold. I mean, we pay for a full loaf of bread. But that's not full. And you know what they'll tell you? Well, we do this so that it'll be fresh. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, we've chose freshness over fullness. There's more room for more bread in here. (laughs) But we settle for this. Have you ever went to a store and bought, I mean, it's amazing how much money we pay for this. Do you know how much money is spent Every day on water. I mean, we could go turn our faucet on, but we're so spoiled that we pay a lot of money for water. But guess what? That water's not even full. I'm paying for water that's not even full. Now, a lot of us, we know this isn't full. We'll tell you that, but would we say this is full? We would say it's full because that's what we've settled for. We've settled and we have spent thousands of dollars For something that's not all the way full. And as I begin to pray about this, I begin to think about this concept has poured over into our spiritual lives. We settle for this. We settle for freshness over fullness. We'll pay a lot of money for a half bag of potato chips and won't never say anything about it. And this concept has boiled over into the church. We want salvation without sanctification. We want we want Christ without a cross. We want salvation without baptism in the Holy Ghost. We settle for halfway. When sanctification begins to come, we're like, I don't know about this. There's pain involved. There's going to be pain involved. Sanctification is part of the process. Suffering at times is part of the process. None of us like it. But I can tell you this, salvation is free, but it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. But yet we settle. We settle for half of God. And here he is wanting to do all that he can do in our lives. But we'll get so far and we stop. And the Lord is wooing us. He's drawing us. I heard Sister Carla saying about the manna. We get tired of that. We begin to despise it. Because we want something else. When the Lord said, if you would just let me fill you up, then you would not have a desire for anything else. Quit settling for a half bag of potato chips and let me fill the rest of that bag up. Quit spending everything you have over nonsense and allow my grace to fill you with everything. Allow me to fill you. So, Father, I ask that you would anoint us today, Lord, to preach under the power of the Holy Ghost, manifesting signs and wonders and miracles today in this house. Lord, the only way that we know that a person or something is completely full is if there's a manifestation of overflow. 
And Lord, you desire to fill us up to the point of overflow and nothing less. So I ask you today, God, that you would overflow in this house. That you would overflow in abundance today in this house. That you would overflow in your glory in this house. That you would overflow in your goodness today in this house. That you would overflow in your grace today in this house, Lord. We came in one way, but let us leave another. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Genesis chapter 42, and I'm going to read probably not not all of this, but... We're going to be from 42 to 46. Some of you just said, oh, Lord. <laughs> I know he's long-winded. <laughs> I've, I've, I have really asked God, help me, Lord. I know there's a lot to say. But I, I believe today will be a monumental moment. I feel that deep, deep within me. And so just bear with me, if you will. Let's, let's just stay together and let's just look to the word of the Lord. I look the word fullness up and it means the state of being filled to capacity. The state of being complete or whole. Richness or intensity of flavor, sound, or color. I told them I can tell because you changed the color of this, it feels more full. I feel closer to everybody. You know why that is? Because the color changed. See, God desires... To get us to the place where we are full. It also means fullness of one's heart. Maybe some of us are here today and our hearts aren't full. Jesus desires to pour more into your life. To the point that we begin to overflow. Remember when the disciples went back fishing after a long night when they were ready to quit and give up? And then Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat. In the kingdom, there's only right or wrong. (laughs) A lot of us keep fishing on the wrong side of the boat. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Remember, and they did that. And then so many fish were inside the boat that they had to call upon other people to come help them. Can I tell you, that's where God wants to get you and I too. That we begin to walk in the principle of overflow. That we have to call upon our neighbors to help us carry with the goodness and the grace that God put inside of my boat. Amen. And so you're very familiar with the story in in Genesis about one of my heroes in the word of God, Joseph. You know what I love about Joseph is, is we know that Joseph typifies Christ and I, I understand all that, not taken away from that at all. But Joseph was yet a man. I know Jesus was a man, but yet he was God. But Joseph was a man like you and I and through every trial and through every trouble that Joseph went through in his life, you know what? His name means increase or addition. So every time it looked like a setback, God was actually setting him up. And you and I have to know that we were born on purpose and with a purpose. And God will cause all things to work together for good for those that love him and who've been called according to his purpose. You see, I lived 25 years of my life not knowing that God had a purpose for my life. And God slowed me down because I got addicted to drugs and addicted to alcohol and addicted to all kind of perversion. But I can tell you 19 years ago this week, God sat me down and he saved my life inside of a jail. And he began to talk to me about purpose. He began to talk to me about his plan. And I had no idea that I was born on purpose and for a purpose. I'll be honest with you. I thought that I was an accident whenever I was born. I thought that, you know what, all my life will ever be is just one big accident until I got born again. Until the grace of God found me. The grace of God began to pursue me. And then he plucked me up out of the muck and the mire in my life. And he began to breathe upon dry bones. And they began to be awakened. 
and something began to change in my life. Things that have been disconnected, things that have been disjointed begin to come back into place. And just as God said through the prophet Ezekiel, he said, now this is a mighty army. Now the breath of God is on the inside of them. And I can tell you today, 19 years ago today, I said yes to the Lord. 19 years later, I'm here and I'm preaching the gospel. I know that I'm sent here today to tell somebody you were born on purpose and you were born for a purpose. And what may seem like a setback in your life is actually to set you up for where God is bringing you to. Because I wouldn't be where I am today had it not been for the setbacks in my life. And even in my Christian life, God knows greater than you and I. Sometimes we feel like we're going backwards. I bet Joseph felt that way when they got on the camels and they went to Egypt. But he was headed in that direction so that he could save and provide for his family one day. I'm telling you, you may feel like you're going in the wrong direction. Just keep going with God. Because God is fixing to blow your mind. So we know that Joseph was forsaken and abandoned by his brothers. Why? Because the favor of God. The favor of God upon his life. How many of you have ever been hurt because favor came to you? You know what I found as a minister? I have been rejected more in my life over favor in my life than I ever have failure in my life. <laughs> when I was a drug addict, people would stomp you down. But when favor begins to come, guess what? People still stomp you down. Let the favor of God come. And so that's what happened to Joseph. Favor came to his life and his brothers began to reject him. They cast him into a pit. You remember that. Then he went to Potiphar's house. What happened there? He was falsely accused. So then because he was falsely accused, he was cast into prison. And in prison, Pharaoh said to him, I've had a dream. And the baker and the butler said, there's a man named Joseph in the prison. And I believe he's got the revelation to your dream, Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh calls him out and he shaves his face and he changes his garment and then he comes into the presence of Pharaoh. Well, you know that the father Jacob has 11 more sons, right? Well, Joseph only has one full brother. Anybody know his name? Benjamin. So Joseph has one full brother and his name is Benjamin. You see, a lot of times we'll settle for the half brothers when, when the father's got a fullness that he's holding. The father's holding the Benjamin seed, and I believe today God is going to release the Benjamin seed over this house. I believe some of us came in here half full, but God is going to release fullness over this house today. Genesis chapter 42, if you're here, let's just begin to read some. I'll try to do like Stephen McKay says, Lord, let me preach very fast and bless a lot of people in the middle of all that. Chapter 42 says, when Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt... Jacob said to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to the place and buy for us there that we may live and not die. So Joseph's 10 brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin. Are you with me? Who didn't he send? Benjamin. Lest some calamity befall him. And the sons of Israel went to buy grain among those who journeyed, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold, who sold to all the people of the land. 
And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them, and he spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. And we are all one man's sons and we are honest men. Your servants are not spies. But he said to them, no, but you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said, your servants are 12 brothers the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And in fact, the youngest is with our father today and is no more. And one is no more. They just didn't know they were talking to the one they thought was no more. (laughs) But Joseph said to them, it is as I spoke to you saying, you are spies. In this manner, you shall be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Who is Joseph fighting for? Benjamin. There's a fight for fullness. We need to know this, that Benjamin was birthed to Rachel as was Joseph. Remember whenever whenever Rachel was given birth to Benjamin, because of the condition that her life was in, the midwife said, your soul is perished and you shall surely die, but you will give birth to a son. And through that birthing, she named him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. And the father was there, and the father said, no, his name will not be son of my sorrow, but it will be son of strength or my right hand. His name will be Benjamin. So listen to me this morning. Don't allow your current conditions to name your next season. Allow the father to name it. Allow the Father to name your next season because when you get in current conditions, you'll begin to identify your next season by what you're going through right now. So we have to be very careful. The Father desires to name that. Amen. And so this Benjamin mattered to the Father. But he mattered to Joseph and Joseph knew that this that Benjamin was still there. So the Bible goes on to say in verse 18, Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house. But you go carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear him. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter, and he turned himself away from them, and he wept. Then he returned to them, and he talked with them, and he took Simeon from them, and he bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain, to restore every man's money to his sack, and to them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. So they loaded their donkeys with the grain and departed from there. But as one of them opened a sack to give donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was in the mouth of his sack. 
So he said to his brothers, my money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, saying to one another, what is this that God has done to us? Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, and they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man who is the Lord of the land spoke roughly to us, took us for spies of the country, but we said to him, We are honest men, we are not spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father, one is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me, take food for the famine of your households, and be gone. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks, they surprisingly, each man's bundle of money was in the sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin? All these are against me. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, kill my two sons. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. I know that was a lot. Father, I just ask you now to give us liberty to preach. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Lord began to deal with me about the Encouraged Conference and this being the kickoff service, the Lord began to speak to me that there are going to be people that come that are living inside of a famine right now. Many people are in spiritual famines all around the world, but I believe this week people are coming to this conference to be encouraged. Amen? If you may not know it, but pastors are going through a lot of things right now. Just because they may be behind a pulpit and they may be people in ministry does not mean that they are not doing all that they can do to get out of a famine. And sometimes God will allow a famine to come to push you out of your comfort zones. Amen? And so here they were living in the land of Canaan, but a famine was in the land. And so when the famine was in the land, it began to push them out of the place that they were currently living in. And I don't know if you've ever been in a famine in your life or if you've got comfortable in your life, but there comes times that the water will run dry where you're at. Amen. And then God begins to use that to push you out of your comfort zone. Well, I believe the Lord began to impress upon me that people are going to come to FNT this week and spiritually they are dry. They are hungry and they don't know where to turn to food. And so God has led them to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the Lord prompted me to tell this house that you better be ready to feed the people that are living in a famine. Amen. They are in a spiritual famine. And so Jacob pushed his sons to go down to Egypt because there was no grain where they were living, but there was grain down in, down in Egypt. Amen. And so Jacob had connection to the provision that his brothers were going to live off of. And God told me to tell this house that you have possession that people are going to need this week. There are people that are living in a spiritual famine. They're living in a spiritual famine. How will you respond when they come to you for food? How will we respond when they come to us for food? 
I've come to understand this in my life. When you get hungry enough, you will leave what's comfortable. You will leave what's familiar. And you'll begin to look for food. Amen. And so Jacob kept pushing his his sons back to go down there to look for grain. People will come this week that are in a spiritual famine. Some people will come here this week and their marriages are falling apart. Some people will come here this week and their loved ones are sick. They're bed stricken with things such as cancer, maybe things that they've never overcome. Maybe things that you've dealt with even here this morning. People were, 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 you know, lost their life yesterday. Can I tell you that there are people that are in times of famine in their life and they need a safe place that they can come where they're not going to be judged, but where they're going to find grace to help them in time of need. God told me that this week that there will be people that will come that are hungry and thirsty. They're at the end of their selves. They're at the end of their rope. Some may even come that have been in ministry for a long time. And if God don't meet with them, they would go back to their churches and resign their churches. They would go back to their homes and they would leave their wives. They would leave their husbands and they would pack everything up and even leave their children. And God sent me to prepare this house and tell you get the get the feast ready God said prepare a table even in the presence of your enemies because God is going to renew there are people that are living in a famine just because you're not living in a famine don't mean that your neighbors isn't just because you're not living in a famine and you've got grain in your house does not mean that your brothers aren't living in a famine There's very few places in the world like FNT. Very few. Very few places you can come where the grace of God is what it is. Very few places where the presence of God is going to be in every service. You know why? Because you prepared the way. You've prepared the way. This worship team has prepared the way. They've practiced. You've prayed. They've sought God for the right songs. They've sought God. They've fasted. I, I saw the prayer guide today in your house, and I just got it, and I began to thank God because my picture was there. You don't know what I've been walking through in the last month. I've been in a famine in my own life, and I said, oh, God, let me just get into your presence. I know you don't have to go to church to get into God's presence, but I'm telling you there's something about the house of God dwelling in the people with the people of God and I came to tell you FNT there's something special here don't ever take it for granted people are going to come this week that are in a famine and you're going to give them a feast I believe a lack of the prodigals coming home because of the lack of preparation in the father's house we've not properly fed the calf I can tell you when the prodigals come home, they deserve a fat calf. They don't deserve something that you've forgotten about or forsaken about. I believe God sent me to this house today to said, feed the calf. Prodigals are coming home. Get the calf ready. Prodigals are coming home. I believe God told me that this morning. He said, Jared, tell Carrie, you and her begin to feed the calf because our children are coming home. I believe that I'm here. I... I don't know if you know how it feels sometimes to believe for everybody else and your own son be away, but you got to keep feeding the calf. I'm telling you, it's very easy to dress up and look like everything is nice and pretty and on the inside you're dying. I heard somebody say this week, a doctor can be sick, but he still sees the sick. And it's the same way as a minister. My God, you're bleeding out on the inside, but the grace of God is still good and you're still believing. You may be in a famine, 
But God said, I got a feast. I got a feast. FNT prepared. Be prepared this week. Get the feast ready because people are coming in a famine. I believe there'll be testimony that come and said, I was going to walk away from the ministry. But you're going to have something ready to give to them. A famine. (laughs) Aren't you thankful God even uses famines? Because it was a famine that put them in position to be fed. A famine pushed them in the position to be fed by their brother Joseph. They had no idea that it was even him. Can I tell you, God's about to do some things you're not even going to know who's feeding you at the time. But God's going to do it. In the middle of this, I love this. In the middle of this, in the middle of God feeding them, in the middle of a famine and feeling these things, can I tell you, it's a good thing that God bring us to our knees and bring us to the place where we look at what we've done. <laughs> because when we begin to see ourselves and we begin to see the condition of sin in my life, it will bring you to a place of your knees where you'll begin to repent. And so the brothers begin to say, we are going through this because of what we've done to our brother Joseph. <laughs> you see, they couldn't receive the fullness without first repenting, my God. See, a lot of us want just God to give us everything, but we don't want to walk through the repentance part. Pastor Lee said y'all had a repentance service here Wednesday night. You see, because a lot of things we do in the secret place that we don't want nobody to know about, and that's the things that take us out of the presence of God. And even the brothers begin to say, they said, they said here, they said, they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear him. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. When I read that today, I began to think about what Joseph must have been saying to them brothers. Whenever they cast him into that pit, I wonder what tears was flowing down his face. I began to think, he was probably saying, why are you brothers doing this to me? Why are you throwing me into this pit? I didn't want the favor of God on me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want all this going on in my life. I could just imagine what Joseph was saying to them brothers, and it penetrated their heart. Because 13 years later, when they began to go through some things, they said, we're going through this because of what we put our brother through. And the words that he said in the moments of him probably going down in that pit penetrated their heart, Caleb. Penetrated that life. I can tell you there's been a lot of things in my life that's kept me on my knees. I'm not, I'm not living in condemnation. But there's been things in my past that I never want to go back and practice again. Things that reiterate in my ear that keep me humble, Pastor Lee. Little thorns in my flesh that know that I may be walking in the favor of God. But I know, I know what I'm capable of doing. I can tell you one of the greatest things that I've ever looked to in that Bible is Romans chapter 7. Paul's the same man. I believe what he is saying in that scripture there is I know me, but I know Jesus too. And Jesus is the only one that's not going to let me be me. That's going to keep pulling me out. Who will save me from this life of sin? And I tell a lot of people a lot of times, there's certain places that Jared can't get close to. Why? Because I know me. I know what I'm capable of. But for 19 years, the grace of God has kept pulling me out, pulling me out, pulling me out. And I know it's going to keep me out. But I came to tell somebody today, people are going to come and they're going to be reminded of what they've done. What they've done. 
Oh, God. I remember Joseph's words. I remember what Joseph said. Joseph probably looking down that pit. Why did you betray me? Why are you leaving me here? There's no water in this hole. It's dark. Why did you leave me here? Has that old life ever just got a hold of you and just whispered in your ear? Or even screamed? But it just keeps you humble and it keeps you crawling back to the altar. Keeps you going back to the cross. Just keeps you going back to the cross. No, you're not walking in condemnation. Just the conviction just keeps you broken. Are you with me? I'm not talking about beating yourself up. Amen. But there's just certain things that you know, that you know, that you know. And they just begin to take ownership of their failures. But God began to say, I've got a plan already going in motion. You don't even know that the very one that you failed, the very one you abandoned, is about to be the one to take care of you for the days to come. Are you hearing me? I believe that people are going to come. And they're not only going to face their failures, but the grace of God's going to pluck them out. And the very place they thought that they had failed at, God's about to turn it and use it for the greater glory. Come on and praise him. Come on and praise him this morning, church. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Joseph was fighting for fullness. There was one thing that Joseph wanted. In all of this, he wanted his brother Benjamin. Because Benjamin was his only full brother. And I thought about, man, we fight for a lot of things in this life. But do we fight for the fullness in Christ? Do we constantly evaluate our lives and say, what's in the way? What is in the way? What is keeping me from receiving the fullness in my life? Because can I tell you, a lot of times we just get saved and we stop there. I know that gets us to heaven. I understand I'm not taken away from the grace of God through the blood of salvation. Please hear me. But there are so many more benefits to walking in this life with salvation. You walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's so much to this life. This Christ is so amazing. And I believe that there's things that the Father saying. I just need you to come before me. I know Jacob is not a type of our Heavenly Father, but just hear me a little bit today. The Father was holding back the fullness, the Benjamin seed. Joseph's full brother. And then they began to fight. Joseph was saying, Joseph, they, they, Joseph said, I want, the, I want Benjamin, I want Benjamin, I want Benjamin. And so the ten brothers, nine brothers, they go back and they go to Jacob and they begin to talk to him. And they begin to say, this man was mean to us. This man said that you will not even see our face unless that younger brother comes. And so the Bible says, he said, I don't know about this. He said, I've already lost Joseph. You know, and they went down there, ten brothers, and Joseph saw them and he put all ten of them in prison for three days. And he kept Simeon in prison. So now he goes back to Jacob, and Jacob said, I've already lost Joseph. He's dead. Simeon now is in prison, and now you want Benjamin? Benjamin is so close to me. Benjamin's the youngest son. You want me to let go of Benjamin? You want me to really let go of Benjamin? Don't we do that a lot of times? Well, God, I'm not turning loose of this. I'll give you everything else, but I'm not letting go of Benjamin. I'm not going to let go of Benjamin. No, I'll give you everything because I've already been hurt here one time. I'm not about to trust God with anything else. I'm not about to give God everything in my life. 
And so Reuben goes before, chapter 42, verse 37. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you. And his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave. Chapter 43. Now the famine was severe in the land. Now Jacob starts to get desperate. Now the father's beginning to say something's got to give. Something's got to give. As we get closer to the end times, I believe, I believe the father is ready to release the fullness. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain, which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. Verse three, what does it say? But Judah spoke to him saying, the man solemnly warned us saying, you shall not see my face unless your, unless your brother is with me. Unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, why do you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you had another brother? But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family. And they said, is your father alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these words. He said, bring your brother down. Verse 8, then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also our little ones, I myself will be a surety for him. For my hand, my hand, you shall require of him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. And the father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. My God, if it must be so, then do this. Let's jump to 14. And may God almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your old other brother and Benjamin. If I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. So the men took the present and Benjamin and they took double money in their hand and arose and went down to Egypt. And they stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my home and slaughter an animal and make ready for these men will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Worship team, praise team, hear me right here. It was Judah that went before the father and begin to fight. He began to fight. This praise team goes before the Father before we even get to the preaching and you begin to fight. Can I tell this house that praise is your greatest weapon? Reuben had already went before the father, but the father said, my son Benjamin is not going down there with you. But the moment that Judah went before, Judah's name means praise. But the moment that Judah went before the father, then the father said, I'm going to open my hand and I'm going to give you the Benjamin seed. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm telling this church that your praise is going to release the father's hand and fullness is about to fall. The glory is about to fall. God is about to release the seed of Benjamin. And when Benjamin gets released, everything's about to shift. 
When Benjamin gets released, everything's about to turn. Restoration's about to happen. Revival's about to come. Now everything is about to change. Are you ready? Are you ready, FNT? Because it's your praise that's going to begin to open the hand of the Father. I believe today in this service, we're going to meet in the altar in just a minute. And we're just going to begin to praise God. All over this house, from the front to the back, and the back to the front, we're just going to begin to praise God. Amen. And we're just going to begin to praise Him. I believe that praise represents breakout. Worship represents break in. When Paul and Silas were in prison, what did they begin to do? They began to pray and they began to praise. Sometimes you may not feel like praising. God didn't ask you to praise when you felt like it. I don't know if Paul and Silas felt like praising when they were in the inner chamber of that prison cell, but they prayed anyway and they praised anyway. I've came to church a lot of times and didn't feel like praising, but my God, when I begin to praise, God began to break things off of my life. God began to break things out of my life. And I came to tell somebody, your praise is greater than you. Somebody next to you is in prison, Brother Bill, and they need freedom in their life. The only way they can get free is if you praise. So many times we're so selfish in our praise. There's a whole prison of people in bondage. But yet, because you don't feel like praising God, then you don't praise God. Praise isn't about you, it's about Him. And you know what I've come to find out? If I'll just begin to praise God, then he'll begin to do something in me. If I'll put my focus on him, then he begins to open doors for me. I said, your praise isn't about you. There's somebody in front of you, somebody behind you, somebody next to you, maybe somebody in another country. When you begin to break through and praise, God will break them out of their shell too. Come on, somebody, and praise him this morning. Could you just stand to your feet and just put your hand together for God and just thank God for just a minute? Let's just praise him just a minute. He's worthy. He's worthy. There's things breaking off right now. Prison doors opening right now. Just praise him. When Judah goes before the Father... He begins to open his hand. The father said, Judah, I'll release him to you. Can I tell you, praise will fight for you. When you can't fight for you, praise will fight for you. Praise fought for Joseph. When they threw him in that pit, the Bible said they were sitting around eating. They were eating bread, as a matter of fact. I believe that bread represents Jesus. Jesus and, Ju- and Judah were having a conversation. And Judah said, look at the camels. You see, my God, when you begin to pray, I believe provision begins to move in place. Amen. I said, I believe provision begins to move in place. And it was praise. It was Judah that saw the camels and said, let's go pull him out of the pit and let's position him on the camels because one day we're going to need the provision. We're going to need it. Praise is your weapon. Jordan, you're one of the greatest weapons I've ever heard. When you begin to praise. That's not to take away from anybody in here. It's a powerful praise team. But when you begin to lead that song today, I'm telling you, chains and yokes begin to pile up in this altar. I'm telling you, 
You're a powerful weapon. Powerful weapon. Praise will fight for you and you can't fight for yourself. Praise is your greatest weapon. FNT and the praise team, you will praise, your praise will go before others before they even come in. When you begin to pray on Monday, Tuesday, turn your prayer into praise. The Father's hand's going to begin to be open and begin to release the seed of Benjamin. It was Judah that went before Jacob. Jacob wouldn't release him to, to Reuben. Reuben's name means foundation. It means to be established. There's a lot of things that's been established here, but I can tell you there's something that praise does that nobody else can do. Praise went before the Father, and the Father released his hand. And this week, people are going to come bound by things, bound in their mind, bound in their souls. They're going to be stuck in places, but because of your praise, they're going to begin to break out of these places. In the middle, in the middle of a famine, when praise released Benjamin, the Bible said Benjamin came into Joseph's house, and Joseph said, go out there and kill the sacrifice. Are you hearing me? People on the outside of this world may be in a famine. But God sent me to this house to say, FNT, you're not going to die in a famine. For God is about to give a feast to this house like you've never known before. Everybody else is in a famine. But they came where Joseph was. And the moment that Joseph saw Benjamin, he said, go kill the fatted calf. I don't know if it was a calf or not. He said, but go kill that animal. He said, slaughter and bring it into the house. And let's prepare a table before every one of them. Psalm 23 said he would prepare a table in the presence of our enemies. Here's Joseph at a table with a feast in the presence of his brothers that abandoned him. My God. God's going to prepare a feast in the middle of a famine this week. Are you ready, FNT? Are you ready? Get the calf ready. Get the table ready. God is going to prepare a table this week. Woo! Enemies will sit at the table. <laughs> Betrayers will sit at the table. People that mad at your favor will sit at the table. And you're just going to feed them. They get on me all the time at our church because I say, baby, a lot. I don't even know why. But I'm going to say, you're going to feed them, baby. <laughs> you're going to feed your enemies, baby. <laughs> Sometimes God will make you eat it. <laughs> He'll force feed you. <laughs> Woo! I'm just thankful sometimes God pursued me. I wasn't looking for him, but he came looking for me. I didn't even want to receive some things that God gave me. But God made me take it anyway. And I'm thankful that God made me take it. You remember being a little kid and your mom or daddy giving you medicine? You want to spit it back out? You say, that ain't no good. But you know, if you could ever get that in that life, you know it's going to heal that little baby. Can I tell you, our Father knows more than we ever know. Some things we don't understand while we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But on the other side, we're not going to fear any evil. When I come out the other side, I'm going to be different than I was the way that I came in. God knows what he's doing in this hour. Sometimes he makes us take things we don't even like. Woo! I feel God in this house. 
Somebody's going through something right now that you don't understand it. You despise it. But God said it's working a greater glory, not only in you, but through you. And it's going to be greater than you, says the Lord. Just as everything that Joseph went through put iron in his soul. God said that when you come out, you're not going to be bowed over like the woman with a spirit of infirmity another day. But you're going to walk out lifted up with your head held high. Because the Lord said to say unto you, he is the lifter of your head. He's the lifter of your hands. And just like Moses lifted his hand, he parted that sea. God said, I'm making a way for you right now where there seemed to be no way. He said, take what I'm giving you because when you come out of the side, then you're going to be greater than the way that you went through. If that's for you, just stand up and just know that God is putting iron down in your soul right now. My God, he's faithful, church. I said he's faithful. He's faithful. Begin to praise God. Begin to praise God. The Father's releasing his glory. Why do we settle? Why do we settle? Why do we settle? I should be able to open this bag and get a chip from right there. As much as I pay for that. But instead... How far you got? Look. About elbow. elbow. That's nonsense to me. That's the way some of us live our spiritual life. Trying to reach way down. God said, I want to fill you up. You won't praise me. You won't worship me. You won't be faithful. I know life's not been fair. I get it. I know what you're walking through. Don't seem right. I get it. But if we'll just let God talk to us in the middle of it, he'll begin to fill your life up. He'll begin to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever think or even ask. Because in the middle of these trials, we don't think to ask God for much. God, just help me through it. Oh, I'll do more and help you through it, son. I'll fill you up through it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, I know one thing. Either my God will deliver me, or even if he don't, I'm still not going to bow down and serve your God. And can I tell you, some fires you got to walk through, because the only way somebody's going to get a revelation of who this Jesus is, is in the middle of your fire. I know some of you's walking in the middle of your fire, but you better know that the man that puts you in there is about to wake up, and he's about to go to the mouth of the fiery furnace, and he's going to look inside that furnace and he's going to say my God. He even turned to the counselor. I said counselors don't have it all together. You can't counsel demons and you can't make somebody counsel Christ. Only Christ can give revelation of who he is. And Nebuchadnezzar turned to the counselor and he said didn't we cast three men in that fire? And the counselor said yes. Oh Neb said my God. I see four. I see four men. They're in the middle of the fire and they're free now. And the fourth looks as is. He is the son of God. Revelation came to them on the other side. They didn't see Jesus on the front side of the fire. But they did in the middle of the fire. 
Some of you are going through some things right now. And the only way that people on the other side of the fire is going to see Jesus is why you're in the fire. Well, I don't want to go through the fire. He didn't ask you if you did. You know what many do? We bow down and worship the gold. Because I'm unwilling to give a revelation of Jesus. Salvation's free, but it costs you everything. Even if he don't. Even if he don't. God will give a feast in the middle of a famine. Don't you love the grace of God? In the middle of a famine, he positions people that you abandoned, that you abused in your life to prepare a table so that you can eat. Of all people to be the one that's feeding him, the one that they abandoned. Isn't that what the grace of God does? Isn't the grace of God just beyond us? In the middle of a famine, we're going to partake of a feast. FNT, prepare the feast. Benjamin is coming home. <laughs> Woo! If he's the son of my right hand, that means the son of strength. The right hand means honor. Amen? Right hand means honor. Right hand means authority. Can I tell you, these things are coming back to the house of God. FNT, and I said this to myself, I said it a while ago. Prepare the feast because prodigals are coming home. My oldest son, Dalen, is coming home. I know that he's coming home. And so on days that you think like you're wasting your time feeding the calf, just feed him one more time, baby. Because it may be that day that the prodigal comes topping that hillside. And we got to be prayed up. We got to be ready. We got to have the shoes ready. We got to have the robe ready. Don't let the ring get filthy. Keep that ring polished. Amen. Keep them shoes clean because who you never thought would ever become what God has called them to be. They're getting up out of the pig pen right now. I said prodigals are coming home in the middle, in the middle of a famine. There's going to be a feast. Hallelujah. Woo. This week, in the middle of a famine, people will see failure. Praise team, in this church, you're going to fight because praise is your greatest weapon. In the middle of a famine, you're going to partake of a feast and you're going to prepare the feast. Andrew even said it. He said one of the greatest parts of encourage is the food, the feast. That is great, but there's going to be a spiritual feast. God's going to blow your mind this week. God's going to blow your mind. I've always said this. You leave a service and say, I don't know if God can do anything more. That's right. Because we move from glory to glory. <laughs> from glory to glory. And there's always greater dimensions of God's glory. Amen. You can't even fathom what God is doing in the middle of his glory. I can tell you what else God is going to do this week. He's going to give freedom this week. Because the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You remember whenever Jacob sent ten brothers down there to Joseph and he didn't even know that it was Joseph? Well, can I tell you number ten represents the law. If you try to serve Christ and try to keep the law, guess what's going to happen?
happen. It's going to put you in bondage and in prison every time. And so he kept them in prison for three days. But then on the third day, he said, I'm going to keep one back. His name was Simeon. And so when they went back to Jacob, amen, he said, where's Simeon at? He said, well, he's in prison. And the moment that Benjamin was released, can I tell you, it released the grace of God. And the Bible says, whenever they all came into the house to partake of the feast, he said, then they went and grabbed Simeon and they brought him out. Are you hearing me? I said, people are going to come out of religious rules and religious bondage this week. They've been locked up by the letter. They've been trying to serve God by the law and they've been racked. They've been locked up in some bondages, but I believe the grace of God. I prophesy over this house. Grace is going to pour out. Abundant grace. Abundant grace. And Simeon's are coming out. Simeon's name means hearing. Hearing. People are going to hear about the grace of God that's never been taught it this week. People are afraid, especially in Pentecostal circles. They're afraid of this word grace. Simeon's name means hearing. I could just imagine Simeon in prison and he heard that Benjamin's on the way. I bet Simeon jumped out of that prison. He said, I heard Benjamin's name. Oh my God, my father must have released Benjamin. That means that my full brother, that means Joseph's full brother's coming. The grace of God is going to be poured out. (laughs) He saw Simeon was released. I believe people are going to be released from religious wounds. And hurt where religious people has killed them and put them in bondage. They've been in spiritual prisons trying to obtain the, trying to obtain their walk with God by the law. Can I tell you all that does is just put you in prison. (laughs) You're still with me? I'm trying to hurry. The next thing I want to tell you that happens when Benjamin is released is the favor of God will begin to pour out. Not only does freedom come, but then favor comes. How many of y'all are, th- are thankful for favor? <laughs> I stand on this platform today, honestly, and I say, man, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? There's a million people, Pastor Lee knows, could be preaching this morning. Do a whole lot better than me. But it's favor and grace. Because I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And there's a lot of things that are good in your life that you know it's only the grace of God. The favor of God comes to you and God begins to do things. You say, man, I don't deserve this. God, why? And he simply just says, because I love you. The Bible says in chapter 43... Just go here with me, if you will, very quickly. Let's look at verse 29. Then he lifted his eyes and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. There's fullness. And he said, is this your younger brother out of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. You see what Joseph spoke over Benjamin's life? Grace. Grace. I'm telling you this week, the Father is going to begin to release Benjamin so that grace can be made known and grace can be made manifest. Joseph said, grace unto you, my son. His heart yearned for his brother, so Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. 
And he went into his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and he came out and he restrained himself and he said, serve the bread. Have you ever been just so overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace of God that you just had to find somewhere and just cry? (laughs) Do you see what it produced in Joseph's heart? He said, grace be to you, Benjamin. And he went and hid himself. He said, oh, God. Imagine how long it had been since he'd seen his brother. That's my full brother. We don't have our mom anymore. She died giving birth to him. Probably all these memories meant to go through his mind. And he said, oh, God. So he went out and he hid himself for a moment. I believe that this week and in the days to come that God's grace is about to be poured out over this house and over our house and over our lives that we're just going to have to find a place just to get along with God. God's going to begin to say, be gracious to you. God's going to begin to restore things. God's going to begin to pour out his blessing. Listen to this. He goes on to sit them all down at the table. And the Bible says that he said all of his brothers there for time's sake, I won't read it all. Just do my best to get out of here. He set all of his brothers down there and he began to feed them all. But to Benjamin, he gave five times more food. If you know any much about numerology, and I don't know a whole lot. I know three means resurrection. I know five means grace because that's two that I live by. The number five means grace. The fifth time Noah's name is mentioned in the Bible, he said, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I can tell you this, that I believe that in this moment, whenever Benjamin is sitting there and he gave him five times more food, he he gave him five times more and the favor of God was upon his life in front of the ten brothers that abandoned Joseph for favor. (laughs) So here's God now. He's not only doing something in Benjamin, but he's doing something in the ten brothers that got mad at favor last time. And then the Bible goes on to say in in chapter 45, verse 27, he gave all the other brothers, he gave them all clothes, but to Benjamin, he gave five times more garments. So you know what that says to me? Food goes on the inside, garments go on the outside. Grace is coming to your inside and grace is coming to your outside. And God's about to give his people grace upon grace upon grace, inwardly and outwardly. If you believe that, if you're ready for the favor of God, then just thank God for it right now. And in the middle of this, He sent the brothers back and he said, go get your father. Go get your father. You ready, Jordan? Whoever's coming up, praise team. He said, go get your father. So the Bible goes on to say 44, 45, 46. He said, go get Jacob. And in the middle of that, in chapter 44, In Benjamin's sack, he put a silver cup. Silver means redemption. And don't you just love this? I never saw this until this morning. He sent them back and they got just a little bit out of town, the Bible says. And he told to his servants, he said, go get them and bring them back. Tell them he stole my silver cup. (laughs) What was he saying? You know what? I saw a picture Of Jesus pursuing after his lost ones. Right when they got just out of town. He said now go get them. And bring them back. Can I tell you that's what redemption does. He buys us back. (laughs) 
He just goes where we are just when we think we're just right out of the city. He said, and that young one, he's got my cup. That silver cup in the mouth of his bag. And he said, he began to act like he was going to do something. They all began to freak out. Can I tell you, I believe that this week and today, forgiveness is going to come. Redemption is going to come to somebody's life. People are going to be redeemed this week and be given victory. He was given the silver cup and he was given 300 pieces of silver. If you'll remember, there were 300 men that fought with Gideon. They were given victory. God is going to give victory through forgiveness, through the blood and through redemption this week. He's going to buy people back. He's going to free them and forgive them. No matter how far out of reach you may seem, I'm telling you this, that God is so good that he'll go where you are and get you. And when this began to happen, the Bible says in chapter 45, I believe this, I believe this. How many of you have been praying for your families to get closer with God? Just families, maybe maybe you got some lost sons, some lost daughters, maybe, maybe marriages are a mess and you just said, man, I need something in my family. I believe God is about to bring restoration to families like never before. I believe that Jesus is about to bring a greater revelation on the inside of that home like never before. If you'll see in Genesis chapter 45, it said, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, making everyone go out for me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Joseph exposed himself to his brothers and they finally get a revelation. This is our brother. This is our brother. This is the one that we thought was dead. This is the one we thought was gone. This is our brother. And they begin to freak out and Joseph said, no, 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 don't worry about it. He said, this was not you. This was God that sent me here to preserve you in this season of your life. My God, what grace. Because they didn't even know who Joseph was. As a matter of fact, if Joseph would have been bitter for the 13 years that he was betrayed and abandoned, he would have killed every one of them. And they never would have known it was him, but God would. God trusted him when nobody else knew who he was. God trusts you today to do the right thing. Maybe even people that have hurt you and abandoned you, bruised you, forsaken you. I say this to God all the time, Lord... When people come back into my life that have left me, let them not even recognize me that I look so much like Jesus, but I know exactly who they are. Lord, make me more like you. Make me more like you. So I believe God is about to bring restoration and give a revelation in our homes that we've never known before. God began to restore them. Joseph was restored to all 11 brothers. He said, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children and your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. And there I will provide. Would you stand with me this morning? I read this this morning it blew my mind I couldn't even stay seated I shot up began to walk in your living room and praying in the Holy Ghost 
Some of you have lost some things in your life a long time ago. God told me to tell you today he's about to give it all back. For 13 years, Jacob thought Joseph was dead. But Joseph said to his brothers, go to where your father is. Tell him he's going to live by me. Could you imagine this moment that I'm about to read? I'm fixing to read something to you. And if this resonates with you, if there's something that you thought was long gone, that you thought promises were dead, literally, I want you to run to this altar because God's about to revive something dead in your life. Verse 25 says, Then they went up out of Egypt, and they came to the land of Canaan, to Jacob their father, and they told him, saying, Joseph still alive (laughs) Joseph is still alive God told me to tell some of you your plan your purpose your power your promise is still alive what you thought was long gone what you thought that you've done enough bad stuff that you would never get it back God sent me today to tell you it's still alive your son Joseph is still alive he's not dead listen to this and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. God said, I'm sending revival. I'm sending revival. Not partial revival. The father says to us today, If you'll come before me and begin to praise, I'm about to open my hand and release fullness over your life. It begins with you today, FNT. It begins with you and I on this altar today. When you come before him and begin to praise God, be ready for the Father to begin to open his hand and begin to release authority, manifestations of his glory, restoration, reconciliation, healing over your lives. The Bible goes on to say there was a moment that Joseph saw Jacob, his father, and he fell upon his neck and he began to weep. One of the greatest damages in America is a fatherless generation and has crept over into the church. The book of Malachi chapter 4 said that he'll turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. (laughs) You want to see revival come? Let fathers begin to humble themselves before their sons. And watch sons begin to humble themselves before their fathers. And fall upon one another. saw Benjamin he fell upon his neck and he began to weep over him when Joseph saw Jacob he fell upon his neck and he began to weep over him 
You know why upon the neck? The same way that the father fell upon the prodigal's neck. Because that's where yokes are placed. You'll begin to carry yokes that'll weigh you down and burden you down. But when you fall upon the father's neck, it'll take that yoke right off. Today, if there's wrongs in this house, you need to go to that neighbor and you need to fall upon their neck. You need to begin to make wrongs right. If there's anything that would keep you from receiving fullness, you need to find a place in this altar. You need to go fall upon the neck of the Heavenly Father today and let Him begin to break yokes off of your life. Can we just find way in this altar this morning?